0: Solitude, the state of being or living alone, seclusion, remoteness from habitations as of a place, absence of human activity. This week, we are talking about the art of solitude. We discuss the difference between solitude and isolation, what it looks like to have social isolation, and how solitude and community can work together.
1: This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions.
0: We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine.
1: Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. This is episode 14, and today we are talking about solitude. So to be honest, this was kind of like our void in the middle episodes where um, in between guests weren't really sure what we were going to talk about. And uh, this topic really came to my mind because Elaine's been reading a book called Quiet, and it's just about introversion and about, um, I guess, like the importance of solitude in a way. I've been reading a book uh, called No Matter Where You Go, There You Are. And uh, I think it's Wherever You Go, There You Are. And it's basically the art of mindfulness and meditation. And uh, this is something, me and Elaine are both introverts, and so I figured this would be kind of a cool follow-up to our community episode, because we talked a lot about the importance of being around people, being involved in community, being a part of your community, being a part of you know what's going on, and, and, and keeping, I guess, active in a community. But today I want to talk about um, maybe a little bit of what a lot of people would see as the opposite of that. I don't see uh, solitude as the opposite of community at all. I think if done properly, it's not the opposite at all, but I know a lot of people would see solitude as, oh, well, you're drawing yourself away um, to isolate yourself, but I'm not talking about isolation. We're talking about solitude. There's a big difference in isolation and solitude. We'll hit that in a second. But before we get to that, a quick little uh, jab here for today's episode sponsor. That's Cedar Temple Trade Company, their Christian Apparel and home good line, and... They make some pretty cool stuff. You can find them at cedartemple.com, and they have a promo code for you at the end of the episode or below in the episode details. Also, they have some new stuff going, so be sure and uh, follow them on their social media. Check out their website and uh, keep an eye on what they're doing because it's pretty cool, and we think you'll like it. So we're going to get right into this episode on solitude. Here it goes. So, Elaine, I know... We talked a lot about community. We heard from a lot of different voices about community and uh, and how community is not necessarily drawing yourself away. It's it's the the having a group around you who can can be with you in the good, the bad and the ugly, who can celebrate your wins and, and help you through your time of mourning and, and all of that. But what why is it seen that like solitude why do we I guess like Coin solitude as the opposite of community why is solitude so often seen as a bad thing in our culture
0: i think a lot of people confuse solitude with isolation and there is a big difference between the two people who isolate themselves don't want community don't want anyone around them they just want to figure out and do things on their own and um maybe not even try to figure out things that's going on in their life they just would rather watch netflix or veg out on the- on the couch instead of talking with people about their problems. But solitude is finding that peace within yourself, whether it's through meditation, prayer, worship. It's different for everyone.
1: The art of solitude, and I do believe it's an art. uh, It comes easier to some than others. But I think it's vitally important for introverts and extroverts alike to have moments where they can go and reflect and meditate on who they are and, and try to sort through what's going on in their lives and get away from the noise and the hustle and bustle and the opinions that everyone has and try to sort through their thoughts and, and just really understand who they are, what God has on their heart right now. Try to, try to sort through the noise and get to the inner voice of, of what's going on, you know, their inner conscience and, and all that. And I think that I completely agree the opposite of, or I guess the, the dark side of solitude and the, and the true opposite of community would be isolation and uh, To me, the difference in isolation and solitude, to put it visually maybe, would be isolation is to go and lock your door and turn off your phone and watch Netflix day in and day out and just cut people from your life and not not communicate actively with those people as to where solitude is to take a, a period of time. and And I think that solitude can come in many periods. It can be five minutes to yourself. It could be... 30 days. I mean, there are periods of solitude, and I'm not telling you to go spend 30 days without contact with people, but I think there are some times that we need to get alone for extended periods of time to maybe heal or to to allow God to sort through our thoughts and to deal with what's just the baggage we have going on. And it's important to have community to help you through that, but sometimes... People can't really even help you if you're not willing to help yourself. And I think that's what solitude offers. So if isolation is going in day in, uh, day in and day out and basically just putting a mental barrier up between you and everyone else and turning your phone off and locking yourself away in your little cubby hole, to me, solitude is more like majestic, I guess. Like I used to uh, go um, hiking and things like that, like regularly, you know as a form of solitude recently something I did was I I literally drove up to a local mountain range here and just went and sat and just enjoyed the the scenery and I would close my eyes and just allow nature to just kind of settle in around me and I was I was in a solitude moment there as in like I was literally connected just God and I there wasn't cell phone service. There wasn't people around. I was just kind of alone with God for that moment in time for a moment of about, I think it was about an hour that I was able to just kind of reflect with God. It wasn't a, a constant isolation. It was just a moment of solitude. It's more majestic to me. It's more like you think of mountains and nature and stream. Now I'm not saying it's the only way to be like have solitude, but I'm saying like, if one is like, I'm going to crawl away into this dark cave and hide in a quarter, um, and hide in a corner with, like, blankets piled up and just kind of lock myself in. Like, solitude is more of, like, majestic, you know, I don't know. I well, don't know that makes sense.
0: solitude to me is healthy, and isolation is not. Solitude is, you know, getting along with your thoughts, your prayers, whatever, and just focusing on what's going on around you, and it's something that you learn from. yeah. But if you isolate yourself, you're not learning anything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because isolation is really a a form of burying your problems. You know, isolation can be uh, can take the form of you know. There's such thing as a um, an extroverted isolation where you are polluting your mind with so much content, whether it be um, stupid. Diply articles or Buzzfeed. Yeah, like just these dumb, you know, like fifteen things you should never do with your cell phone or whatever. Those just those dumb clickbait articles that we fall victim to so many times. They can be like just filling ourselves with nonsense of that or getting in an endless uh downward spiral of YouTube videos or a Netflix binge watch that just continues on. Like there's nothing wrong with taking time to do those things necessarily. But if it's a mental barrier that you're putting up by doing those things where you can tune out those inward things that are ragging on you emotionally, you have left solitude, where you probably were never there in the first place, and you're in isolation. And like I was saying, isolation can take the form of I'm going to kind of bury myself away, or it could take the form of I'm going to bury my emotions underneath all this other stuff. I think of uh, what comes to my mind is sometimes you have like, the typical, like, college sorority fraternity kid who has this, like, inward, I guess, like, longing to try to figure out who they are and what they want, and and they bury it with partying and, and just, you know, the sex, drugs, lifestyle, and drinking, and they just kind of bury it away to suppress their emotions so they don't have to deal with what's truly going on. That's a form of isolation. You know, people would say, oh, no, that's just like the most extroverted person imaginable. You couldn't imagine how awesome they are at a party. But, no, they're isolating themselves So they don't
0: have to be alone with their thoughts.
1: Exactly, because uh, solitude is being alone with yourself and with God to understand what's truly going on in your life. It's a heartfelt cry where you can sort through the mess. Well,
0: and— you also have to mention, too, is like sometimes it's okay if you just want to watch Netflix and not do Yeah, anything. absolutely. Like if you had a long day at work, sometimes it's okay to just go straight to bed when you go home. Like you're not necessarily ignoring your problems, but it becomes a problem when it's prolonged. A day turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into several months.
1: Right. Well, there's a, such a thing as mental fatigue. Sometimes you've been at work all day. You're tired. You want to go home. You want to relax. You want to unwind. But, let's be honest here, how many of us do that the right way? Is unwinding watching um, that drama flick on Netflix for, you know, a few episodes? Probably not. You're probably winding your brain up even more. I know uh, Elaine and I are on an on an X-Files binge right now. And I say binge. We watch an episode a day. But, if that. Yeah, but we normally watch it late because when we get in, it's typically, you know, 11, 12, 1 a.m. Sometimes when we get in. And, uh, and so we watch these episodes typically late. And I know so many times whenever I go to sleep, I wake up. I'm like, what the heck was I dreaming about? Because, like, that's what I'm doing right before bed. And I'm going to be really honest. It may not be the healthiest thing because that's our way of unwinding. But you're not really unwinding. You're still pretty stressed out because you're like, no, Scully, don't get abducted by mm-hmm. aliens, please. You know, I'm sorry if you haven't watched the X-Files, go <laughs> watch it. It's, yeah, it's nostalgic gold. Anyway. It's so good. Yeah we have to realize, are we unwinding the right way? Are we giving ourselves the time to unpack our daily bags, our daily baggage, or are we just kind of leaving it packed with all our dirty laundry, picking it up the next day and carrying it on and stuffing it full of more? If we don't take the time to decompress on at least a weekly basis, sooner or later, we're hauling around tons and tons of crap, tons of baggage, tons of junk and mess that we have not taken the time to unpack and get out of our lives. And and yes, there is a a time and a place where um, community falls into that. But in order to be a healthy part of any community, you have to have that solitude. And I think that uh, we just came out of a very big season of that. You know, a, a an extended like multi month period of solitude where it took time, where you and I had to work through things um, in our own lives, in our marriage, in our you know our finances, in our our relationship with each other and with God, where we had to To unpack some serious baggage, some serious damage, and try to evaluate what was important to us, what what, uh, was our focus, what was our primary drive, and I think we're still in a little bit of Mm -hmm. that. I know I personally am using this episode as, like, uh, I guess um, maybe a personal accountability partner to take more time to to have my times of meditation, I used to meditate regularly. Um, you know, I used to get alone and just and and clear my thoughts and just focus on my breathing, focus on my my being present, and focus on on my relationship with God and what He was putting on my heart. And I haven't been able to take that time lately. I haven't made it a point to take that time since our work schedules changed and stuff like that. And I know that's something I've got to get back into because the difference mentally it makes, the sharper um I, it's it's literally sharpening the blade you know it it's what polishes the blade and and gets me prepared to take on the next thing so i'm going to go ahead and uh pull from scripture here because like i said i know community is important because uh you know you need people you have to have people but i think solitude is just as important and i think it's a healthy balance and i'm going to look straight to jesus to uh to talk about this so i'm going to be jumping over like five different sections I'll try to hit all these really quick. I'm in Matthew 6 um somewhere around verse 5. Yeah, I'm going to start with verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners uh that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Talking about God, the father, how he lies in the secret place and uh, how to get alone with God is how to truly hear God. It's beautiful to pray in a church, you know, that looks beautiful, but is it really like hitting your soul? Is it hitting you? Well, if
0: that's the only time you're praying, like there's a bigger issue. You need to be doing that. At least daily, without people around you. Right.
1: Skipping over to Matthew 14, 22. He's talking about, um, let me give you some backstory here. I have a real Bible out here today. I don't even have it typed out or anything. I got the real like, printed edition. Old school. Yep. This is right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. You know that story. If you don't, it's in Matthew 14. Um, and then it says, immediately, and this is after he fed the 5,000 and he had preached, and it's a... Uh, yeah, he basically fed them all and, and performed a miracle. And it says immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was uh, long away, and then it talks about him walking out to them on the water. And, uh, and so that's just another occurrence of him getting alone to pray jumping over to chapter 17 and after six days jesus took with him peter and james so he's not completely and john his brother he's not completely alone here he has his three closest his his closest friends his camaraderie and it said and he led them up to the high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light and uh emphasis here on he led them up Uh, A high mountain by themselves, you know, and talking kind of like what I was just saying is Elaine and I've had to get alone by ourselves so we can figure out who we truly are. Jesus was able to get alone by the ones he trusted to show um, who he really was, to show his his glory and his radiance for who he really was. And that's kind of, I think that's a good um, boundary or I guess a good bridge would be the right term, I guess, for bridging between community and solitude is he's literally showing his closest friends who he truly is but it was still within solitude that he did that fast forward to Matthew, he's, you know he's been matthew 26 36 then jesus went with him to a place called gethsemane and he said to the disciples sit here while i go over there and pray and taking him and taking with him peter and two sons of zebedee he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And uh, and so there you go. It's talking about that bridge again between community and and um, solitude. But then it goes on to say, and I think this is where the bridge keeps going. says, says, uh, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, uh, if it be possible, let this cup uh, pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And uh, there you go. It's literally he he left the big group to go with his closest community, and then he even walked away from them for a period before coming back to them to get alone with God. And then the final one that I have real quick is flipping over to Luke, and I'm in Luke 5. Um somewhere around, let's see, Luke 514 I'm going to say, and this is the story of Jesus uh, cleansing a leper, and then it says, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him, and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places, and pray." Instead of going and healing the crowd, he actually knew he had to get alone with God. He had to clear his mind instead of facing this crowd. This crowd had needs. They had wants. They had desires from him. Uh, But he knew he had to get alone to desolate places. That's a, a big word, a desolate place. like That is the absence of life, desolate, desert, abandoned. That's like being dropped off in like the most, you know, desolate place. You think of desolate out in the middle of the wilderness where no one is. And that's where Jesus had to go and get alone to pray. He had to get as far away from people as he could to get all the distraction out of the way.
0: Something that I think is important, specifically within communities, is allowing people the freedom of being able to have their personal solitude Something that I've noticed is that a lot of people don't have their solitude moments, aren't able to just take a breather and just step back because they feel that their communities will judge them for it. And we need to as a like as communities, we need to allow people the freedom to be able to do that because I think more people Would be able to get along with their thoughts if we allowed people that freedom. And when you don't, you know, they feel like they aren't able to recharge, they aren't able to be their best selves. And sometimes I think that we judge people for trying to have solitude because we mistake it as, oh, they don't want to talk to us, they're isolating themselves. But we need to be okay and know that people need time alone. You need to give people space to be alone.
1: Yeah, I think um, a lot of people misunderstand the role of community. So, like, I think that, and not saying that like people aren't good at it. I'm just saying that like, I think a lot of times people feel guilty for taking that time to themselves because they feel like they're abandoning their community. But it, honestly, it's the community's job. It is their duty to tell you as as a member of their group to say, Hey, like you should probably take some time to get alone with you and God. Like you need to sort through like sometimes we don't know how to express our emotions. Sometimes we don't know what to say or how to say it. And I think it's our job to be able to like see that in other people and say, Hey, like, take some time. Go take some time for you and God.
0: I think even specifically within church and church leadership. Yeah, We don't allow leaders that time to sit and be still with God and, you know, work out some of their own problems themselves. And, you know, community is important. Community strengthens you just as much as being alone with God strengthens you. Sometimes I think church and church leadership are the worst at not allowing people that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if you have someone in your, you know— uh, your leadership that comes up to you and says, hey, I need to take some time off from leadership. I need a sabbatical. I need, and that's what the whole point of a sabbatical is. It's, it was it brought into, you know, church leadership for a reason uh, because church burns you out. Whenever you're working church, when you're constantly involved in church, it can burn you out. It can leave you hopeless and desolate in a different way. It can lead you to isolation because you go to the point of feeling like, um, church work life balance is overloaded emotional balance. You're, you're left, uh, starved spiritually, starved emotionally because you're constantly serving. And I think, uh, for one leaders should push to have that time. And I don't mean push to have that time. Like, Hey, let's go on a, a church outing together. No, it's like, Hey, Cody, you need to take a month for you. Like you've been at this for a long time, why don't you take a month and just soak? You know, whether it be here, go find somewhere and just soak for a little while, because that's what's important to you. And don't wait till they're burnt out. You know, don't wait till, don't wait till they have to come and tell you that. But if someone does come and tell you that, the last thing you should do is him haul around about it or try to shut them down. So I
0: think by. too often we're afraid of people like wanting that time alone. Because we feel like, oh, they're going to quit or they're not going to come back or they're isolating themselves when really they're trying to strengthen themselves so they can come back and so they can be better.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if you have a picture, you know, this is a a very cliche church analogy here, but, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but do we live it? If you have a pitcher of water and you keep filling everyone else's cup up and sooner or later you're going to run out of water or get low on water— you have to go back to the tap. You have to go back and, ref- and refill it. And if you think about like a restaurant or a restaurant setting, if we're going to use that analogy, let's use it all the way. If you think about a restaurant setting, your waiter or waitress says, yeah, let me go refill that. They go to the back. They refill their pitcher. They come back and bring you more. They don't uh, invite you to the back to get your own. They don't have this infinite pitcher or a tap they carry around with them. It's They have to go to the back get some more for themselves and come up. I think a lot of times in churches it's like, oh, well, you get um, this one service a month where you can, you can uh, just sit and soak. But then you're actually doing a little bit of work too. Maybe you're running the coffee bar before. You're having to answer questions. That's why it's so vitally important to give people the space they need to get away from all the questions, get away from all the responsibilities, maybe even go somewhere else for a little while and take... You know, a week or or some period of time where they can get alone and refill their pitcher, so they have something to offer again. I've been in places where I've had to do it more than once, um, and having the freedom to do it is so necessary because without that, you're just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, and sooner or later, you're a dry well, and you're sitting there trying to trying to to pull up more, and you're gasping for air, and you're just desolate.
0: Something that I was just reminded about was last episode. Whenever we were talking about what community is, not and our friend Tristan said that community is a bunch of individual people who are able to hold their weight within community. And I, th- and what you were saying with you know as a leader saying, okay, you can have this one Sunday a month where you don't have to lead worship and you can just be in worship, but then you're running up and down stairs, working the graphics, whatever. And I think that's where community comes into play is if you need to step out, someone can step up yeah. in your place. And it if you are taking a Sunday off to be in worship, that should be your Sunday where you don't do anything. Yeah. Like where the community somebody in the community can say, Okay, I can take your spot this week.
1: Yep. I completely agree with that. And uh something else with community and solitude is I think that it's a community's job to check on people, but I also think it's a community's job to give people space. And I think that if you're within a community and you say, hey, I'm going through these things right now, it is completely their job, it is my job, if you were to tell me, hey, I'm going through some things right now, can you pray for me on this? Absolutely, that's that's a community's job. It's your job as a person in the community to keep you informed of that. But then it's also like needs to be understood that like that person is taking time and time is distance. Time is like giving them that time to where they can go and reflect and get alone. Well,
0: and when they're ready, they'll come back
1: refreshed.
0: And if after a week you're like, hey, are you doing we really need you back doing this? Like I feel like that would push me even more further saying, no, I need another week. Like, you know, you can't. Say okay, you can have this, but you kind of need to hurry up and get your get that out of the way. Like that's not what complete solitude is.
1: Right, solitude is complete because it's it's kind of like a wound, you know. And like I'm not trying to say that church is a wound or anything. I'm not trying to imply that. But what I'm saying is, uh, within like serving in uh, Christian circles, you have these responsibilities. And let's look at responsibilities as if it was was a wound. Um. You, you wear away. Okay, let's just put it this way. You have gloves on. You're doing a job. But sooner or later, you wear through those gloves. And if you keep wearing through those gloves, sooner or later, you're going to start wearing through skin. And then every time, for one, you have to take time to go get new gloves. Uh, you have to read. <laughs> yeah. But whenever there's something healing, whenever you're healing emotionally, physically, if there's something going on where you need that solitude, you're healing. But if you keep poking, even the minor, it's kind of like you—you know—you've bumped a scrape against the edge of the counter and and ripped it back open. You know, before that would not have done anything to your skin. You would have went, oh, I just rubbed my skin against the edge of the counter. But because there was already a scab forming there, and you—you you, you just barely nick it on something sharp, and it's going to tear it back open. It's going to take that much longer to heal. That's the same thing of. Of You're in this situation where you're like hey, I need to take time to do like to you know to have this Solitude and they're like that's great go ahead and then right in the middle of the healing process they go Oh, by the way, I need this this thing done from you. Can you do this real quick? And It's like sure I can but that's a setback in the in the solitude process you have to allow the season to fully play its way out and for some things that may be as simple as a couple hours, like it's a petty argument and that season plays out. But I think we've all been in the in the situation where you're just really mad at someone and you need time to heal. You need time to sort through your thoughts so you don't say anything. You're responsible and and you can just take a second and, and say something right or you can just blow up. And if it keeps on and on and on, sooner or later you're going to blow up because you're not going to have time to reflect on how you truly feel about it and express your emotions in a constructive way instead of a destructive way. And so, like, you have to have the full fruition of time to take place, whether it be an hour, a day, a week, a month. In some situations, it could be a year. I don't know. Uh, just depending on what one goes through. You
0: well, know, and we can't make people feel bad for taking that time.
1: Right. We also can't make people feel bad for trying to reach out to someone. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with reaching out. So let's clear the area of that. If you're going through something and you're in a season of solitude, an extended season of solitude, there's nothing wrong for for someone to pop in and say, hey, how are you doing? That should be expected from your community. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what community is for. And then it's you're all you know it's you should keep them up to date. These people care about you. Like don't just leave them hanging because that's irresponsible on your part. But we have to be um, aware of that. But trying to just pull on them and get them to do this one last thing. Hey, can you also do this? Like, hey, we really need you. The pressure like that Um, or backlash is is just not constructive. It, It just takes that much longer to get through the process and to heal. So let's talk for a second on, like, the difference of solitude for maybe, like, an introvert versus an extrovert and what the what solitude looks like um, and what uh, isolation looks like for the both of them. Solitude is more desperate for an introvert than an extrovert, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we have to have our time daily to get alone and to recharge because if we don't have that, then we feel like zapped quickly emotionally drained but I think where our our solitude goes awry is whenever we feel overly drained and so we just lock down all barriers and just cut out contact and then we get comfortable and complacent in our single mindedness and like our absent mindedness and we just kind of shut the world out around us because we we take on the 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 mentality or the persona of hey i'm not going to put myself out there and if i don't put myself out there i don't have to have this time to recharge i just always feel charged and so we get caught up in our work and our our inclusive or reclusive selves
0: well lately i have been reading quiet by susan kane and it's about introversion and basically it's about introverts and being able to hear them in a world that can't stop talking and you can't necessarily pigeonhole well this is an introvert this is an extrovert like there are different variants of both there's healthy and unhealthy There's social and unsocial and just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that you aren't social and that you don't like hanging out with people right if anything it's the opposite because some types of introvert, introverts love talking to people, but it's just one-on-one conversations, small group settings. Whereas that's rifle, yeah. Well, whereas there are other introverts who don't like talking to anybody about anything, and like would rather just be by themselves. And that's the borderline between isolation and solitude. And as an introvert, we're both introverts. We love people. But we don't necessarily love being around people all the time and like church functions being Small out
1: groups home group yeah, services yeah. potlucks, hot lux or even
0: the, yeah. go, like shopping all day and like being around a bunch of people that you're not even talking to and like having to interact with people like yeah that can be so tiring and draining and it's okay to just come home and just read a book or listen to music or sit and meditate pray worship even if you want to watch Netflix for an hour and not do anything like, you know, that's okay. That's healthy. But also like you said, that there is extroverted isolation where you said like people watching, you know, funny dog memes and videos and articles and stuff about stupid, pointless stuff of trying to like get your mind off of things and stuff, which can also happen in a room full of people. Right. And where people are the extroverted, the social extrovert Is someone who is constantly around people, but never really talking about anything other than surface level stuff, which, you know, sometimes can, a lot of times can be unhealthy because they're going to be talking about all this stuff and like engaging in all these different people so they're not having to go back.
1: Right. Yeah. An isolated introvert or, excuse me, an isolated extrovert. Can look like the life of the party, yeah, uh, but they're really just covering up their emotional baggage that they're having to if they haven't taken the time to unpack, you know and sometimes it's easier just to flail that baggage around like a a fashion designer bag than it is to mm. to unpack and deal with it,
0: well, and also like I'm bad at getting back to people like I hate phone calls,
1: yeah, I'm really bad at it too,
0: sometimes I'm really good at texting like. If somebody texts me, then and I'm on my phone, like I'll text them immediately. But sometimes I don't respond to people t- until a couple of days after that yeah, because I realized, yeah. like, oh yeah, they texted me, or I saw it, but I wasn't ready to talk to anybody in that moment, and just kind of forgot. And you know that's okay. Sometimes that happens. But I think as an introvert, whose nature is more solitude and sometimes even isolation and more small group settings and one on one it can be dangerous trying to find the balance between or finding the line of solitude and isolation because if you're never talking to anybody if you're never doing anything then it can be very dangerous for you your spiritual life your mental life your physical you know mentality and everything
1: yeah i I completely agree i think talking to all the introverts out there you know. An isolated introvert is a starving, um, uninspired introvert because if we never take the time to go outside of our own brains, we can never understand life around us in its fullest. And we, we end up, I guess, kind of like pigeonholed into like our own little world that we create and it's just this false uh, dichotomy of reality. And we are completely shut down from what's going on around us. And so we, as introverts, have to make it a point to balance because we sway more to the isolation side in an unhealthy – like if an introvert's unhealthy, they sway more to the, the isolation side. And we have to try to pull ourselves more to the um, ambiverted introvert level or the
0: – Well, it's about like fluid personality.
1: Right uh, it's, it's pulling ourselves to where we understand the need to go and pour out and not just keep filling up our cup with new water. Like or our pitcher with new water. Like, yes, we could sit at home and just allow the tap to keep overflowing, but then we're just wasting water. We need to go and pour out. But then we also need to realize that we have to take the time as introverts. It is a necessity on a, you know, daily or semi-daily or, at the bare minimum, weekly basis to take that time to ourselves and and allow the the solitude to come over us so we can reflect on who we are and what God's saying and what's been going on in our lives.
0: And sometimes I think that extroverts think that introverts have it easy because like, oh, they can just immediately go into solitude and like they can be alone with their thoughts and stuff. But sometimes I think it's harder for an introvert because you can easily go into isolation
1: oh yeah because we don't (laughs) let's be honest like the the easy route for an introvert is like screw this world i'm gonna go over here and be by myself
0: and sometimes i think like introverts are too much into solitude that they end up isolating themselves and then extroverts are the complete opposite like they're too not into solitude and they have the social isolation
1: right And, and i guess like that's the next thing i wanted to touch on is like we can't offer, uh, you know, we're not able to offer the perspective of of a uh, an, an ambivert or an extrovert. But I would like to take a moment here and, like, give a shout out to the extroverts, you know. Because in the same way, like, they can look at us and be like, oh, man, they can just, like, be alone with themselves. And, like, they just, they, they get energized. I don't understand how, like, you know, we feed on that social interaction. We look at you guys and it's like...
0: We wish we were more social.
1: Okay, well, I don't. Well... (laughs) (laughs) I personally don't. I look at them and I'm like, how do they do that? People annoy me. Like, oh my gosh, like, enjoy being around people. But sometimes, like, I'm like, do I have to have another conversation? Do I have to tell someone this story of what's going on in my life again? But just like us as introverts, like, we have the tendency to go into isolation. We have to to force ourselves to go and empty that cup. So we have a reason to come back, you know, to our comfortable area of of uh, solitude And, and to keep ourselves from isolation. I just want to give a quick shout out to extroverts from an introverted perspective of like that solitude is so needed. And I understand that you guys like I don't understand personally like I understand in theory you guys draw from social interaction, but like please take the time to be able to reflect on your own thoughts and draw from the social interaction with yourself and with God. And I know that sounds weird of like, how can you be social with, with oneself? But when you get alone with your mind and you allow your mind to start the process of, of naturally just kind of like realizing it's, it's being and, and what's truly going on in your brain instead of just allowing your thoughts to control you, to start to control your thoughts, and this gets into mindfulness practice and meditation um which is a whole other episode but it's something that like I just believe is so powerful in in anyone's life and specifically in the life of a Christian uh, because uh, the Bible calls us to meditate Jesus you know, did it and uh at its at its core and and maybe we'll have an episode on that in the future but getting alone and and having uh you know a conversation with yourself and and having a social experience with yourself where you can start to
0: understand your thoughts. When you learn who you are, and sometimes I think being in a community, you can lose who you are so easily and that you forget like what your interests are, who what you like truly like and dislike. And I think having moments of solitude, like you remember who you are.
1: Yeah, well I'm gonna clarify that. Not necessarily being in a community, but allowing yourself to become Uh, an isolated extrovert in the community itself like it's not the community's fault but it's like we can have a tendency to do that which is that you know going back to the like drowning out your emotions and your thoughts with activities and function and and uh social interaction but and that was just that's my my heart cry to introverts and extroverts alike like be be aware of your type of isolation, whether it be a social isol- isolation or a, a a more like traditional isolation in the sense, or uh, whatever that that may be, and then realizing that community is important, solitude is important, and there's a balance and a bridge between both of those things, and both should play together. Community without solitude is burnout. And solitude without community is uh, is isolation.
0: And both can be very detrimental, not only to you, but especially as a Christian.
1: Yeah, to your faith. Yeah. For sure. Um, Because so many times we can pin our communities on our relationship with God, and then we can pin our isolation against our communities, and it's kind of a spiral. And so there's a balance between the two. But anyway... I think we have said what we needed to say on the topic. I think there's a lot more there we could get into. I think uh meditation's a whole other topic we could get into. I think introversion and extroversion would be a fantastic topic. I'd love to get a couple of extroverts. I was
0: just to say mm-hmm. we we need a lot of feedback from that from different people, even different like introverts and extroverts across the board, like more social, more antisocial on yeah. either scale.
1: Yeah, talking about the differences in their form of isolation and their form of of uh solitude. But I'd love to definitely get a couple of extroverts in the hot seat over here and us kind of talk back and forth. Uh maybe more listening, I don't know. But <laughs> um I don't know. I can be a social. I'm a pretty social introvert, so uh if I'm in the right setting. And if I'm in a small setting, I can be a social introvert.
0: I can be if I have coffee. <laughs> That's my that's my advice.
1: <laughs> so I'm sure this is not the last time we're gonna touch on this, but for today it is. So with that, everyone, please feel free to check us out at Twitter underscore TRP podcast. Facebook dot com forward slash the reckless pursuit podcast. As always, you can find us on our website at therecklesspursuit.com where you can find details about this episode you can find uh all of our other episodes a little information about us there's a place there where you can email us drop us a voicemail say hi um also we have a facebook community that we are actively wanting to engage with people we want more engagement with that so please guys if you want to be a part of a community um a reckless community at that uh, check out the details below in the show notes there's a link to that you can ask to join and we will accept you because we are a community dang it! Uh, if you enjoy the show be sure and subscribe hit the subscribe button it helps you get notifications when we have new episodes and it shows us out there that you're listening but with that
0: be brave be bold and be reckless
1: we'll talk soon again This week's episode is brought to you by Cedar Temple Trade Company. Cedar Temple is an apparel and home goods line on a mission to bring curiosity back to the Word of Christ with fresh, modern designs. They desire to not just spread the Word, but to look good doing it. Their shirts are some of the most comfortable tees you could wear, and they're constantly adding new products and designs to the mix. Oh, and did I mention that Cedar Temple is actually Elaine's and my very own brand? Yeah, that's right. When you order from Cedar Temple... You're helping Elaine and I do what we love and continue in our very own reckless pursuit.
0: Because we are so thankful for all of you who take the time to listen to our show, Cedar Temple is offering a 20% discount on any single item you purchase. Head over to cedartemple.com and use offer code TRPPODCAST in all caps at checkout. That's T-R-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, at cedartemple.com. Now, go inspire. Um. There's 11 seasons. Yes. So it's a long show.
1: Does that relate to Stranger Things?
0: I have no idea.
1: All right. We got to quit nerding out on our own show here. Back to what we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus stuff here, not Stranger Things and X-Files. Um, <coughs> yeah. Anyway.